0: Petrovaniax of 2019. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier here with Billy Holiday. Hello there. And Jeremy Gregory. Hey guys. And uh, we're gonna cover a uh, an actual Christmas-related game uh, again this year. Last year it was, um, last year it was Die Hard Trilogy, and this year we're gonna look at Parasite Eve for the PlayStation. But before we get to that, Billy, what have you been playing since our last episode?
1: Oh, well I mean with it being the time of year it is uh, and this also coincides with being the the busiest time of year at my work also I, I just I haven't had a lot of time and this game did command that we're, we're reviewing today did command a bit more time uh, than, than some of our other other games so I, I put a lot of time into that but when I have had downtime I have I'm, I'm still on that stardew valley uh, it's just oh I right I'm like I said last episode you know the big update came out i'm I'm right back into it as much as I ever was uh I've been playing death stranding uh, a good bit also I finished the main uh the main game I'm now just going through and doing doing other things here and there um and other than that i I had to dedicate a, a good bit of time to to what we're doing today
0: yeah, I, I have not played games. I thought I would be playing. Uh, there's a, a huge.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. not,
0: there's a new update for Monster Hunter for the first holiday on the new new expansion. I haven't played one second of it. I haven't played Monster Hunter in in about two or three weeks. I'll get back into it, it. But uh, well, we've had a lot <laughs> going on for this show, and uh, it's again this time of year. It's hard to to fit it in. But what I have been playing a lot of more, and I mentioned it last time, was I got my uh, my youngest. Uh, Luigi's Mansion 3. I keep calling it Luigi's Ghost Mm -hmm. (laughs) House. Luigi's Mansion 3. We've played more (laughs) and more of it. It's it's a solid game. I've never played any of the Luigi's Mansion games. And uh, and this one's really, really good. It's probably the best thing I've Mm -hmm. played on the Switch, uh, at least in the last few months. Uh, But the other thing I've been playing is the final uh, free expansion for people who bought the Shovel Knight Treasure Trove. Just came out uh, right before we recorded last. uh, The King of Cards expansion. And Mm -hmm. it is... It's wonderful. So if, if you have played oh. Shovel Knight, or haven't played Shovel Knight, it's a pretty solid current game that looks like it's an 8-bit game. It actually looks a little bit better than 8-bit games, but that's the style you're looking at, like a Mega Man. Uh, but they've put out three different expansions now for three different characters, and it's not the same exact maps and the same game where you just have a slightly different guy or a guy with a slightly different weapon. Uh, it uses the same areas, so the same themes and the same feel to the game, but each level's been redesigned uh, for these new characters who have different abilities. I mean, the first one was... Was the Plague Knight, I believe, who has you know he would throw bottles of potions everywhere. And uh, this new one is uh, simpler game mechanic-wise. You don't have as many moves because you literally just have a dash move, and then you get some special abilities. But it's the king of cards because the the backstory to this character is that he's trying to to win this championship of a card game that requires him to go around all these areas and challenge people at cards. So it's got a fully functional. Simple little collectible card game built in there oh It reminds Jesus. me like a, more, of a, more of a triple triad than a, a Pokemon you don't, it, it doesn't have that kind of rule set It doesn't even have the Gwent rule set for the actual Gwent standalone That has all these additional cards with special rules it, It's pretty straightforward triple triad style uh and unfortunately that means i'm never going to finish it because all i'm going to do is play this card game uh, over and mm-hmm. over again because there's you know y- you fight people to win cards and then if you lose they can take your cards and i am determined <sighs> to have a permanent deck uh, but that said i, I don't mind because i've i've played shovel knight so many times uh, a- with with all the ad- expansion characters that i don't mind that i'm not rushing through this one i'm taking my time i mean that game's been out now for something like four years and it's it's easily i mean if we did a- did a top five of the 2010 to 2019 it's in my top five it's the most incredible retro game that i've played and the most dedicated all the things they said they would do with their crowdfund all came out and they're all good they don't feel like they were just thrown on uh i mean it's it is a solid expansion uh for free if you bought the game when it first came out so i I can't complain Mm -hmm. i've been doing a lot of that and again luigi's ghost house Uh, but jeremy what have you been playing since our last episode
2: uh, the last week or so, at some point, I just decided to get on Game Pass and download a bunch of random stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've I've always, I, I'm always that, that kind of guy that really likes to focus on one game at a time, like beat something, then move on because then otherwise I forget how to play the previous game if I move on and go back to something. Um, but I, I downloaded a bunch of like the smaller games that I had kind of heard about, but I hadn't actually played. So uh, I just mentioned a few here real quick that that really um, you know stood above the rest. Uh, first up is Blazing Chrome. I don't know if any of you have heard of this one, uh, but it is uh, if you ever wanted a sequel to Contra Hard Corps on the Genesis, here it is. Like this is the best sixteen-bit Contra I've played since sixteen-bit Contras. So, <laughs> they are hmm. this is really well made. Uh, I don't think it's very long. I'm not too far into it, but so far the stages I've played. Uh, definitely remind me a lot of Hard Corps and, and Super Contra. And it's and that's what they're going for here. This is them really trying to give it their best to, to emulate those style of games. And, and they did an amazing job. It's just a, a great game so far. and It's not super hard so far. Uh, it's, it's enjoyable. You still kind of got to memorize what the enemies are going to do. But it's not the bullet hell kind of shooter mm. where they, they just put like 300 bullets on the screen. And it's like, good luck. Uh, this one is is more about memorizing things and and what enemies do, which that's what I always enjoyed about Contra. But anyway, yes, if you haven't played Blazing Chrome, I believe it's for everything. Uh, check that out. Like it is, it is legit good if you like that kind of game. Uh, next up, I, I downloaded my friend Pedro. Uh, I had actually heard about this one, and I. Uh... <laughs> I, I did never play it because I wasn't quite sure what to think of. It's from uh, Devolver Digital, the Hotline Miami guys. I'm not sure if it's those exact guys, but uh, it's definitely uh, that sort of style. Uh, it, it's it's a re- it's a weird game. Uh, a magic banana is your friend. And uh, you play as basically this uh, serial killer guy who who uh, just kind of runs around uh, shooting people. But it gives you a matrix button, which anytime you put that mm. into a game, it automatically makes it a thousand times better than what it would be normally. Mm-hmm. Uh, the matrix button of course slows down time and you can do some crazy, like uh, you know, doing 360 jumps over people, shooting everyone at the same time, shooting knives out of the air, kicking them back and hitting people in the head. Uh, it is, it's just insane sounding, but it's very simple uh, at the same time. So it's really fun to just make these ongoing combos of killing people in the most extraordinary ways. Um, I, I made it past the first section of that one right before this podcast and it's, it's really fun. It's just, it, it has the potential of getting really weird. Uh, because I noticed that a section of stages later on is called the internet and mm-hmm. I really want to get to that, because this game, not like I said, you're talking to an imag- a magical banana that is your friend, that's Pedro. And uh, he's telling you what to do, and and so the, I, I I could maybe see this this getting a little samey over the course of a lot of levels, but so far I'm having a lot of fun with it. Uh, and last one real quick is uh, Void Bastards, which I had only heard of in passing, and it, it's done by some of the guys that did Bioshock and System Shock 2. And it's really kind of a, a smaller, you know, it's a, it's an indie kind of game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the look of it is very like a, a pulpy 70s comic book. It looks amazing for as simple yeah. as it does look. It looks like just something straight off of a comic book page. Um, and I think it actually pulls it off better than Borderlands does. Because there are times when I'm looking at this, I'm just like, this is just a drawing. Uh, but anyway, it's like a strategy FPS roguelite mm-hmm. kind of thing. I know everyone's probably tired of hearing about that at this point. Every game at some point in the last few years has done that. But this is actually really fun. Uh, it basically, uh, every time you you die, it gives you a different kind of character with different traits. Like right now mine's a smoker and every once in a while he'll cough and alert people around him. Uh, but it's essentially what you're doing is going to these different derelict spaceships. And you have to find enough resources on those spaceships to Mm -hmm. uh, survive and and build new things. Uh, And that's just a matter of going around the ship and looting it. But all these ships are basically um, occupied with uh, zombies and space mutants and and other things that that are attempting to kill you. So, uh, so far, I'm not too far into it, but it seems really fun. Uh, it, uh, just the style of it and, and the pacing of it, it's more kind of like a, a survival horror kind of thing. If you watch the trailers, it makes it like it's a super fast action or uh, first-person shooter. It's not, at least what i played so far. It's very tense. You don't want to run into other enemies because you have a very limited amount of ammo and the things that you can use. You're constantly running out of oxygen. So there's there's just a lot of hurrying through and, and making those mistakes and finding enemies around corners. Uh, and running away from them. But so far, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I, I would recommend it to anyone. And if you're on Game Pass, mm. all of these are free. Just go download them and play them. It's uh, it's probably one of the best things about Game Pass.
1: I've got a comment and an addition. Uh, <laughs> void Bastards, I have really enjoyed, but I am absolutely horrible at that game. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if I'm just picking. the Because the add to it, uh, you, you're able to see... You know, before you go to a ship, what resources are on there um, and, and a general overview of like what what enemies you're going to face on there. And I don't know if I'm just making the poorest possible decisions, uh, but I just I cannot advance anywhere in that game. But but I love the style of it. And that's what's kept bringing me back. And I'm hoping to, to my, my skill level will one day get up enough to where I can I can keep at least one guy alive for at least a a couple of runs. Um, But another game, and I did forget to mention this when I had just started playing this. uh, When you mentioned Game Pass, it's also on there. I was telling you guys about that Demon's Tilt. Uh, which it's not an official sequel, but definitely a, a spiritual successor to the the old uh, Alien Crush and, and Devil's Crush pinball games, and that is another Game Pass one that is that is well worth it. Uh, I, I, there's not a lot I can tell you about it. I mean, it's pinball uh, with a with a few you know battle mechanics thrown in here and there, uh, and just a, a I've yet to make it. I don't know if there are multiple boards or if other areas open up. Uh, I'm just on the, the opening board and it's a big three-tiered monster of a board and and just a lot of fun uh if you if you like those crush pinball games i do and you told me this
0: you know outside of the show and i was very excited to hear that it it plays really Mm -hmm. well because i i looked at a video of it online but you know videos sometimes don't look like the game actually plays as far Mm -hmm. as the smoothness and and if it looked a little choppy and chunky so i I do want to check that out i love Mm -hmm. devil's crush so uh, that'll be fun to play So that's what we have been playing aside from the game we're going to talk about today that does take a little more time than a lot of the games we cover. Parasite Eve for the Sony PlayStation. This is a Christmas title, and it is because this game actually starts on Christmas Eve and goes pretty much up until New Year. Uh, and, and they reinforce that throughout the game. A lot of the locations you visit has Christmas trees uh, and, and mm-hmm. little background visuals that remind you that it's Christmas. Uh, otherwise, sure, it's as much of a Christmas game as anything else is. Uh, but again, for video games, you're talking like four games that are Christmas games, so <laughs> it's always good to find one that
1: at least, at least has some tie to Christmas directly. Yeah, every Christmas these guys are scrambling to find something, so so we can't, so we don't have to damn play Home Alone. Uh, we're gonna run out one year. It's probably next year, to be honest. <laughs> we're gonna have to hit up Home Alone. Uh, but the good
0: news is there's like seven different Home Alones, so that's the next seven years we got it covered. Uh, but thankfully, this <laughs> year we it. didn't have to dive into <laughs> Home Alone. Uh, th- this was uh, a game I had not played previously, other than when it first came out. Mm. You know, I tried it, and and I just, you know, I was working at the game store at the time. There were so many games coming out, and. First, I was already so sick of RPGs uh, post Final Fantasy VII that when I heard, you know, I saw, oh, it's Square, and I looked at it, and it looks like Final Fantasy VII or Final Fantasy VIII graphic wise when it first starts. And then the gameplay itself was a little different, but I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm done with these kind of games. I'm not going to play it. And that's a shame because. I don't understand why this didn't grab me when I first tried it, you know, 1998, because it, it's a, a neat game with some neat concepts and, and not. I mean, it's a role playing game in, in many ways, but it's not a traditional role playing game. And I, you know, I was tired mm-hmm. of regular turn based combat RPGs. And this is not that at all.
1: Yeah, and I, I I think the prevailing theme as we go along, we're going to mention a lot of things that I really think put this game kind of ahead of its time. Uh, with the, with a lot of things, at least over here uh, with a lot of things that it, it pulled off. But but yeah, uh, if you go into it and you see who makes the thing and you sit through, uh, you know, that opening cut scene and you hear that music in there, uh, you could very well think you're, you're buckling in for another, you know, kind of standard square RPG. Uh, you just have to make it through that and you find out that you are you're in for a treat. You're in for something definitely at that time much different. I first saw this at my
2: import gaming store called Game World. And I'm I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this store several times mm-hmm. on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And they had two little uh, uh, PlayStation set up and they were always playing different import games. And I walked in and I saw them playing Parasite Eve, which it released in uh, Japan, I think, uh, a good deal uh, earlier in the year before it came out here. Uh, yeah, it came out in, in March in Japan in September here. Um, so like they had that going, I was just like, Oh my God, like, this is like, it's from square and square could, could do no wrong back then. Mm. Like mm. they were just on top of the world after final fantasy seven. Uh, they were considered just the developer and everything that they were releasing, everyone was losing their shit over because whether it was or not, it was being portrayed as the best video game that's ever been made. Um, but, and I, I was totally, you know baited into that to myself because as much as I loved final fantasy seven and a lot of other square games at the time. So I saw this and I saw it was from square and I was like, okay, so this is final fantasy RPG stuff mixed in with resident evil and you get to play as a hot girl. Like I'm totally in for this. And I almost actually bought the import version until I saw it was just covered with with, with Japanese (laughs) and I couldn't understand it at all. And I, you know, I, am not doing that again after uh, Castlevania, but this was, uh, you know, it looked amazing. And the first, and as soon as it hit stores, I, I went and grabbed it first thing that day. And, and man, yeah, like you said, you were, you were in for it after hell, as soon as it starts, because this is a uh, square's first mature rated video game mm. and, and they don't fucking back down on it.
1: No, no, they do not. As you'll find out as you go along. And one of the early things, and I, I mean, I guess it makes sense with it being a square game, uh, you know, the majority of the Final Fantasies uh, at that time d- did not have any voice acting. Perhaps mercifully, uh, this one is is just about all text, uh, which which knocks out the uh, some of the Resident Evil, you know, early even even some early Silent Hill lines uh, of dialogue and just how cheesy the voice acting was then. I, I was very thankful. I didn't mind doing a little bit of reading. I was very thankful they went uh, just just text for this one. I, I thought that was a nice a nice change.
0: Well, I'm glad it was text too. It's got, and there's there's big sections of this game uh, among the action, and we're going to get into mm-hmm. how it actually plays, where there is long periods of exposition. And if we uh, yeah, had to listen to all that, I would have been done. And uh, and there's a lot of parts <laughs> of this game where. Your continue point is before a long period of exposition, mm. and then a boss fight, and you can't skip any of that. I mean, you can thankfully, because it's text, go you know, bang, 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 bang through text and save yourself a little time. But if I would have had to sit there and listen to a 10-minute speech each time, I would have lost it. Wouldn't have, <laughs> been, wouldn't have been able to do it. That's one of the things I hate about about uh, games with save spots that are unfortunately, you know, it doesn't let you continue right at the start of a boss fight. It, mm-hmm. It's like, no, no, you got to go back and listen to that whole thing over and over again. This one, thankfully, because it's not voice it, it makes it a little easier to put through um I, I think what what i didn't like about this originally and the reason i didn't give it a chance is that i did it did look like it was just oh it's just square trying to make their own resident evil i'm good i don't need that but it's not that at all i mean it's it's resident evil based in that it it's horror on a playstation game but it's gameplay wise you couldn't get much farther away from, uh, from mm. resident evil than this i mean i guess pinball but other than that you're not going to get a lot farther away than resident evil this is This is more of Final Fantasy VII and Final Fantasy VIII for walking around before you get into combat. You know, that that sort of square soft, you know, the painted backgrounds. You go from screen to screen. Some of the screens scroll, some don't. But it's instead of being a Final Fantasy game that's, kind of all over the place time-wise, this is entirely, you know, more or less current day. I think 1998 would have been when it came out, so just just around then anyway. And again, it starts on Christmas Eve, so you know the time of year it is. It's in New York City, uh, based out of Manhattan for most of the game, so, you know, you're, you're going to be kind of just exploring this city, but again, in that same Final Fantasy overworld, not overworld, but the Final Fantasy screen-to-screen style. Um, mm-hmm. The combat, which is what makes this game different then almost any other game I've played switches up completely, and at that point, you know, you'll be walking through your background, and all of a sudden the screen goes gray, uh, monsters appear on the screen in a random encounter style, although they're not truly random from what I could see, but a random encounter style uh, where things just happen, and you have these these random fights in the game, and at that point, the game switches to what I thought at first was uh, a complete action, you know, like like Resident Evil style, like, oh, okay, I run around, and, and I have to avoid things, and I can fire my gun, but Instead, it's, it's a kind of weird mix between turn-based and action, which I really like. So you'll, during your turn, there's a little action bar that builds up at the top, and you have to run around and avoid enemy attacks. A lot of the time, they, they do area attacks that are very easy to tell, or like a, a laser that shoots in a direction. You have to make sure you are away from it. Some things are unavoidable, but generally you can avoid... Almost everything if you're paying attention. And then once your action bar fills up, you're then, whenever you feel like, can hit the button and you'll either get to use your weapon or you can use a magical ability you earn, which it's not magic in this game, but let's just call it magical abilities. Uh, or, you know, that's when you can look at your items, do whatever else When your action bar is full up. But you don't have to use it right then. You can save it. So if you want to keep dodging until you know, okay, after this enemy does this one attack, I now have three seconds where he won't attack, so let me do my action right then. You know, it lets you choose how to use your turn as you want. Uh, without having to worry about, okay, it's you know it's now my turn. I don't really have a choice. I have to go right now. It 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 makes it much more interesting, and it's not straight action, but it's also not straight RPG. It's a really neat blend of the two.
1: Yeah, and it, it was very refreshing because uh, I have only recently, uh, with with rare exceptions back in the day, only recently kind of warmed up to the to the turn-based style. Uh, you know, the classic. RPG style, uh, back at the time, I just, I didn't have the patience for it. Uh, you know, the game just really had to be exceptional to, to rope me in to, to play it like that. So it was, it was such a relief. Uh, the, the first time I played this, uh, when, yeah, I mean, you, you can't attack at will, But uh, it just just being able to move around and kind of defend yourself and you you don't feel like you're just standing there just, you know, like a punching bag, getting ready to take the next hit. Uh, You you can play a more active role in, you know, positioning yourself on the screen and and, you know, defending yourself and avoiding attacks. And and I really enjoyed that. And I, I completely forgot that. That, that system was in place. It's been a while since i played this thing. So when I booted this thing up, I mean, that was a pleasant surprise all over again. Uh, it's just, it's a perfect mix. I mean, I, I can't see this working with the, I can't see Capcom pulling this off for like a Resident Evil game or anything like this. But for from Square, I thought this was probably the best possible route to go down if they didn't want to just do the, you know, traditional, you know, non you know, turn-based system at all. Uh, if if they wanted to still incorporate a little bit of that that RPG element, I thought this was a a, a great decision. Uh, and it's it's the first time I've ever played with a battle system like this in a game. At, at that point in time, uh, I've encountered several uh, since then. Um, I think they rolled something similar to this out for for Crisis Core, I believe. <laughs> Um, but yeah, at the time I just, I was blown away by this and I, I I was hoping that more RPGs would have adopted it.
2: It's, it's just fun. Uh, I Mm -hmm. mean, it's just one of those things about this game. Uh, you know, it's super basic. I mean, you're literally just kind of running around and and trying not to get hit whenever you're letting your timer build up so you can't attack, but I, I don't know if it's because uh, each area can is so confined. You know, it, it's it's kind of panic-inducing. You know, you are running around and trying to, you know, not die or not get hit by these things, and it, it is you are actually dodging. It's not like the enemies are locking onto you or anything. So, uh, it, it it works very well within the type of game this is. And then whenever you do get that, you know, your your attack bar is up and you can do all the stuff, it's really satisfying to just yeah. lay into an enemy with a bunch of bullets or use your magic or whatever they call it, paras- parasite powers or something, whatever the fuck it is. Um, like, using all that stuff is, is really fun. And hell, I don't think there's too many games that have actually done a mix of action and turn-based better mm. since this. Hell, the, the fucking two, two sequels didn't do it as good as this. Uh, so... Ah, uh, whatever magic they they managed to capture in in this one with the uh, with the action and combat, it it's never been replicated, as far as mm. I know.
0: and it's a Squaresoft game. Uh, You know, at this point, 1997, they had put out Final Fantasy VII, which was huge. So at this point, you're right. Squaresoft was a company that, quote, did no wrong. So all the games they put out for PlayStation were, you know, instant sellers. All the magazines paid attention to them. And this was one. You know, next year on, it looks really good. It's hitting right about the same time that people are looking for something that's a little different, and and our people love Resident Evil and that style of game. So to have a, a mix of the two, obvious big hit. A bunch of big hitters in Square were part of, of making this. The producer of this game is... And I mess up these names every time, so I do apologize. Uh, Hironobu Sagaguchi, who's the creator of the Final Fantasy series. And it's directed by Takashi Takita, who worked on um, Final Fantasy IV and was also the director for Chron- Chrono Trigger. So these are good, solid Square titles. And these are people that you know were, were put in place to put out a new game, a new style, hopefully a new series. And so it, it's, it was good. I don't know if I could say guaranteed to be good, but at least you knew it would be interesting. It would have a lot of time and thought behind it, and it it definitely does, as we said. The mix between action and role playing is is very good. Uh, a difference between this and a game like Final Fantasy or or you know any other or Chrono Trigger, or any of these older SquareSoft games is you're one person. You're not a team of people. You don't have people that you know come on and run beside you and kind of have automated moves like in final fantasy 12 or some of the other uh, more active combat role-playing games you're a single player which is why it reminded me more of resident evil from the from first uh, appearances as opposed to really learning the game Um, Mm. which is also different i mean that that is different for a lot of the SquareSoft games and really a lot of role-playing games there's not too many where you're honestly just one person uh, except for something like skyrim you know what i mean so most of the time you expect to have that party in a role-playing game this doesn't have it you are one person you're a police detective um, Aya Brea is your name and the game starts like I said on Christmas Eve the the cinematic you see is, she goes to the opera to see some I don't remember the name of it doesn't really matter and during this performance the lead female uh, on stage who you know has this amazing singing voice and that comes back a lot in this game where you can hear that song over and over again um, but she it looks like something happens on stage. You're not really sure exactly what yet, because of course it's kind of a mystery, but all of a sudden the audience and the, 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 theater itself bursts into flames. Everyone around your character starts burning and the only person on stage who's not burning is this main vocalist. So you run up on stage to figure out what happens and you know she runs off. You follow her through parts of the theater and you start getting an idea of what's going on. So that's when you get your first combat. You see like these mutant animals that start attacking you. You find burned bodies. Uh, like you said, this is Square's first mature game and, and while it's not extremely graphic, it's definitely a mature theme game compared to like a Final Fantasy. I mean, there's there's dead bodies everywhere. You see people die in these cinematics in some grotesque ways. It's it's a good a good mix of horror without being like ridiculous. You know, not everyone swears the whole time. There's not a bunch of unnecessary nudity or things where you're like, I can't play this game in front of people. It's just a, a good serious horror RPG game. Uh and yeah, I, I mean it,
1: it, there there is no Final Fantasy 15 car wash scene in this game. Um but yeah but yeah, it does a great job. I think I've always liked uh, more the the, the the body type horror, which I think is, is this one does a better job. There's a lot of just really gross uh, transformation scenes. Uh, and, and, and I think it goes more for that than just just plain old blood and guts, and and I really appreciated that aspect of it because because blood and guts was kind of the direction everything else was going in, and and that makes it mature. So it was it was nice for a, a different type of of horror to kind of be represented. Yeah, and it, it was actually pretty uh,
2: pretty gross, you know, for the most mm-hmm. part. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they do have a lot of story to back that up with. Uh, if you guys haven't heard about mitochondria. Ah, uh, parasite Eve is <laughs> going to tell you a lot about mitochondria, uh, and you know it's actual facts because the guy that did, uh, you know, that wrote this, wrote the original book, and the book's based off this is a uh, pharmacologist, and so he knows his shit when it comes to that kind of stuff. So a lot of the stuff that's in the game is actual fact, but of course, you know, it's. It's in, it bent into like its own this story to to make all this stuff happen and explain why people are just exploding into goo and turning into all these horrible monsters and stuff like that. So I, I think that's cool, even though there's a lot of exposition to say that at some points. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that the the whole the the story and why it's happening and how it's happening is is really unique because there's not too many. Hell, I don't know if there's ever been another game that really kind of explored. Uh, you know, the, this kind of body horror aspect of, mm-hmm. of horror, because usually it is just zombies and, you know, blowing people up with shotguns.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, it, so it was a nice change. And I and honestly, I think it, it lends to to making it a, a kind of a more mature game than some of the, you know, the running and gunning type zombie games. Um, and yeah. And one thing that's amazing, all the exposition in this game and there is a lot there. Uh, this is a book's worth of reading. And I never found myself bored. You know, I never checked out at any point in time, or or skipped over things, and just wanted to hurry and get on to the next thing. I, the writing in this thing, I is is. I, I'm not going to say phenomenal, but for a video game, I, I thought this one did a great job of just just gripping onto you and and making you want to just you know find out what is going on.
0: Well, it definitely, Also,
1: oh sorry, go ahead. Oh sorry,
2: I, real quick, I just wanted to. Throw out uh, that Square did a, a great job with uh, Aya in this game. Mm. Like in a time where Laura Croft was going all over the place with you know a tank top and and tits mm-hmm. all over the place, Aya is actually like this really, you know she's not over sexualized. She's she's really just calm, cool, and collected. She can take mm-hmm. control of the situation. She's a really good protagonist. Without going into that direction of, especially in the late 90s, where mm. literally everything was over-sexualized to the point of just being hilarious. And uh, it, it's actually weird because a lot of the art uh, for Parasite Eve and the games afterward depicted her in a, in a very over-sexualized, you know, with no shirt on, mm. uh, you know, things like that. But then the game itself, she seems completely different from, from that. You know, she never strips down or anything like that. She's just a badass character. Uh, the whole way through. And I, I thought that was actually, it, it still is really cool. Uh, and I, it was yeah. awesome back then.
0: She comes across as, as a police officer. I mean, she comes across as a professional. Uh, she's trying to figure out what's going on. But at the same time, um, I mean, obviously, she didn't burst into flames in that theater for some sort of reason. And and otherwise, it would not be a very exciting game if there wasn't some, some weird twist involving your character. So she's trying to figure out what's going on with her as well. And it, it, it does it's you know there's not an unnecessary sex scene for any reason like it's not mm-hmm. they didn't try to make her this like super sexy character all the boys are gonna like i mean she's just a good strong character and she happens to be a woman and it's cool
1: yeah which is probably why the they're still not making the games today most likely uh, but yeah it's just it's such an underrepresented type of character uh you don't I, even when they tried to reboot Lara Croft and, and tried to tone down the sexuality of it, I mean, uh, they didn't do the best job of it. But so it is refreshing in this game that uh, you don't have someone that they're they're throwing into your face as a shapely female character. I mean, you, you just have a character on there. Uh, and she's tough. And they managed to, to put together a great game without getting a, a tight shot of her ass every 10 seconds. And, you know, I mean, there aren't many of those. I mean, that and, and maybe early Samus before they put her, put her in a fucking skin tight blue suit and paraded her around. But, but yeah, uh, it it is refreshing, uh, this, this character and, and yeah, it it starts off and you don't quite know how badass of a character you have there. I mean, she's dressed up, she's on a date with a fucking jerk. Uh, That, uh, that boyfriend she had at the beginning—he didn't have many lines, but he didn't endear himself to me either. Uh, and somehow he survives it. The, the, the two of them do, and but she gives him like the, the shove out of the way and and pulls out a piece and and goes to town for the rest of the game. And it, it's it's is one of my probably favorite female protagonists. That's my my worst <laughs> story
2: inconsistency this whole game. The one that I found mm. even as a kid. That I was just like, why didn't that guy burn to death? Like They literally let him live so that I could just shove him off and be be like, get the fuck away from me. But yeah, I mean, I guess I could see that. But I was always kind of just like, why didn't that guy burn too? Does he have the mitochondria thing that she does? No, it's just so she could shove him down
0: yeah the story for this is paced really well. I think they don't give you too much at the beginning, so it's not like you know exactly what's going on, but they also don't drip feed it to you either. You, you always feel like you're kind of getting closer and closer to understanding uh, as well as you level understand since there there is a fair amount of biology involved in the backstory of this game that may or may not be accurate at least it's based in truth but uh, obviously it's it's uh, it, it's sci fied up like you mentioned uh, but but uh, one of the things I really, really like is not just, you know, I, I don't want to get into the story too much for what goes on, but as part of this story, you have to drive around different parts of the city, and thankfully it's not a live driving engine, and it's not just like, oh yeah, I, I'll just show up at these places as the story tells me where I have to go without any thought. As you expand the story, as you l- learn what's going on and go through the the week of action, I guess, uh, different areas open up on like an overworld map that you can select where you're going to go to Uh, at any point pretty much like if you're in the middle of doing something and you can get back to where your car would be you can just get up and leave and go to another area that you know may just have have the purpose of going there to scour for items or maybe you want to do some some more quote random encounters and again they aren't truly random because they're in specific areas where they happen over and over again but I think sometimes it doesn't have to happen every time you enter the room either way uh you know, you can go through this map, and I like the fact that, again, it's supposed to be Manhattan, more or less current day, so the locations make sense. You know, there's, there's the theater you start in, there's a police department, um, there's there's other places you're going to go throughout the city, Central Park, uh, like this little area of Chinatown. Like, there's all these little parts you're going to go to for the story, but it doesn't just let you go there from the get-go. You have to, you know, figure out a reason why you need to go there, and then it opens up on your map and you can go there as you want. But I thought that was kind of a neat, a neat way to tie it all together without having it just be either an open city that you drive through like in resident not like in um you know, like a grand theft auto style game but it's also not just yeah of course you're going to go there and it takes you to the next area and it takes you to the next area there's there's a little bit of an overworld feel to it without getting too overwield, you know uh, too unwieldy
2: and i guess we should mention you know like like you said this is new york and uh it's it's a really well done setting for this game i i i think uh, i saw somewhere where they actually had uh a lot of the people on on the staff at square that that scouted the city and knew the city and so that it just didn't come off as like it was a bunch of westerners that had never been to New York City making a fantastical version of it. All of it is really grounded in reality, and I think that's one of the best things about the game is that it doesn't seem fantastical. It it definitely kind of seems like this, this horror story set in a very real-world place, which believe it or not, didn't happen very much back then. It was, you know, you had your raccoon cities and you had your, your sci-fi locations and your fantasy locations, but seeing, like, just a regular dull New York City setting uh, you know, it plastered with snow and, and everything like that, it, it was a hell of a setting.
0: Well, and Christmas trees. Like we mentioned, this is a Christmas game, as I'm going to mention every time I can, so that we can tie it back to it being our Christmas title for this year. Uh, this game has that RPG aspect, in as your character... You know, has these encounters and fights bosses and, and goes through the story, you'll gain experience. You can use that mm-hmm. in that experience, lets you go up levels, that makes you get more hit points, and it also gives you... Uh, I forget what they're called, but they basically give you these character points you can roll into either making your uh, action, battle goal, action bar go a little faster in battle, lets you hold more items, or you can increase the power of your weapons uh, with these experience points you earn. Uh, so many per level. I really thought the... Oh, the other thing you get with levels as you level up is your psychic powers. I don't know what they're called. It is like mitochondria powers, parasite powers, or whatever you want to call them. But basically, they're magic spells. They start with some ones that are very simple and make sense, like a heal spell and a, a spell that hel- helps you... Uh, clear poison from your body because some attacks from things like snakes and scorpions that makes sense will poison you and you'll need to unpoison yourself or you continuously take damage. Uh, and you have items that do these same things, but the items in this game, you don't just go to a store and buy them. You have to find them in chests or get given to them at the police station or sometimes you'll fight an enemy and get them, but it means you don't have a way like you do in Final Fantasy to buy you know 99 potions every time you go to the store. You've got to make mm-hmm. sure you save your heal items when you really need them and use that, you know, that heal spell or heal ability as much as you can. Uh, your magic power, or whatever you want to call it, parasite powers, uh, is a different bar that shows up at the bottom of the screen, uh, along with your health, your total number of health, and your action bar. And as you use these spells, that you know that bar goes down, and it slowly builds up over time. There's no potion that refills that meter. There's no way to make it go up faster other than your haste spell that makes everything go a little bit faster. So you have to make sure, you know, as you use your spells, if I use my you know strongest healing spell, here's how much of that energy goes away, and you have to factor in that it's only gonna you know. Build back up as you're in battle and dodging things. So especially for boss battles, there's a real careful balance of how often you use these powers and how often you can kind of use a, a really strong attack power because it's going to drain a lot, if not all, of your energy and leave you with no way to heal yourself if you don't have a lot of items. And even then, the yeah. items you need to have, you know, wait till your action bar is all the way up to use them. So you can't just assume okay i'm hurt i can use this item no you're hurt you got to run around and wait for that action bar to fill up and then you can use Mm -hmm. that heal item it's a i mean i thought that the way that this game handles you know using experience points and building your character uh, it's not too too difficult i i like that it you know you don't have to pick your spells or you know as you level up decide how you want to level up necessarily other than that that ability to choose if you're going to make your action bar faster or carry more items like that's a pretty straightforward one or two you know it's not a matter of well do i want a lot of strength do i want a lot of dexterity do i need to work on on making this that or the other for my character i want Mm -hmm. to build a specific character type like no no it's it lets you have a little bit of freedom but it still makes you feel like as you're leveling up you're getting more and more powerful and i I like that Find new weapons and armor as you go through the game. Some of it makes sense because you're a police officer. Go back to the police station, there are lockers, there's a storage room you can get keys and stuff to, so you can get better and better weapons there. But also as you go through the level and kill certain bosses or enemies, you might also get uh, a better gun or a different gun. And this game has the ability to take your your guns and modify them. Now, I normally get a little weary of systems where you can modify your weapons a little more than just like, oh yeah, I want to... Spend points to sharpen this or whatever, because one, I always get concerned, like, am I going to waste all this, you know, in this case, it's these tools you find, then each one mm-hmm. you use goes away, so you can't keep using the same tools over and over again to modify your weapons, so am I going to waste these, you know, these items modifying a gun that where I'm going to find a better one two buildings over, or is this a situation where I'm never going to be powerful enough if I don't really understand how to use this system? And a lot of games that have this weapon modification, uh, one specifically, it, it, it gets so unwieldy that I actually kind of shut down and don't want to play the game anymore because I feel like I'm never going <laughs> to understand it. This one's not that bad. So the, the short version is you can take a gun you currently have and find another gun in your inventory. It doesn't have to be the same type of gun because there are pistols and rocket launchers and... Grenade launchers, shotguns—they all kind of play the same, but at the same time, you don't have to have the same two types of guns to use these mm-hmm. modification tools. And uh, you'll, you'll take the the gun you have, and you'll look at the gun that you want something from. Either a modifier, like a different, you know, a bonus to damage or a bonus to your range, or sometimes some guns will fire two or three or four times in a shot. You can take that ability, or you know, a specific uh, damage type, fire, or acid or water. You know, there's different little. Uh, There's different modifiers to each weapon when you pick them up That you can actually use these tools to take that ability or thing off that gun Add it to another gun that you like more Let's say it does a lot more damage but you want that acid damage So you can take the acid damage from this new gun you just picked up And it gets rid of the tool and it gets rid of the other weapon from your inventory That's a very simple way to kind of make sure if you have a gun you like And you keep adding Mm -hmm. stuff and adding stuff and adding stuff as long as you find the tools, you can – you can. I wouldn't say use the same gun you started with in the game, but the ga- the guns I ended the game with as my, like, core weapons, I probably picked up about halfway through uh, and, and mm-hmm. didn't bother replacing in full because I already had so many good buffs on these guns. Uh, I didn't want to lose them. So my gun at the end of the game, you know, was, was a – it fired – Two shots at a time, which is fine. It did a fair amount of damage per each shot. It would fire first, so every time you start an encounter, it started fully you know, charged up. And then it also mm. did acid damage. Like, these were things I found on other guns. I kind of pieced it together to make the gun I wanted. And you can do the same exact thing with your armor. So you can find armors throughout the game and take new armors that you find. And if it has a, oh, this armor makes it so you don't take poison as often. You can add that stat to your current, uh, your current armor, Without having to just swap your armor and maybe this one has less damage, but it, you know you can don't mm-hmm. get poison. you can kind of make kind of Frankenstein what you want out of your items and yeah. it's it's pr- other than the fact that you you know I didn't have the manual for this, so I didn't realize you'd lose the weapon or gun uh, when you use that modification. okay, no big deal. once I realized how that worked and the fact that you do constantly get I mean I- I'd say pretty easily you'll get overwhelmed with, like, I have 14 guns. What am I going to do with this? Like, <laughs> it's not a big deal to get mm. rid of these guns. You're going to find a bunch more. Uh, and, and the game does limit how many items you can hold at once, which is always kind of annoying. Uh, so you want to kind of also use that, the tools and and remove the guns from your inventory as you, you take the things you want from them just to give yourself more space in some occasions. So I, I liked the the modification system. It was simple without being too too simple where it's obviously like yeah i'll just take that and it's obviously a better thing you have to do a little bit of thinking but at no point did i feel overwhelmed where i i didn't really think you know i'm i'm making the best of this
1: yeah and and i love the system and i think it's like you said you're you're not going to make it all the way through the game with your your starting weapons but it gives a lot more longevity to them and i also uh you know the gun I finished the game with, yeah, about halfway through, and just just kept adding and kept adding. Uh, and, and i I love that because I think it really uh, it if you are into playing this game more than once, uh, you can totally uh, alter your your style of play. Uh, not just with the type of gun, but just you know, with with what additions you you put on it or your armor, and, and I think that adds to a lot of a lot of uh, replay value to it uh, for that aspect. And and yeah, I, I did love it because I can get a little bogged down if things get way too menu heavy. Uh, but I also like it where it wasn't as simple as oh higher number take this one oh here's a higher number I'll use this one uh, and People, some people online have got this thing down to a science. I, I was, I, I was telling Jeremy P. about I like I see someone a spreadsheet. It looks like someone's fucking math homework uh, of just you know kind of the the equation you have to get like which gun you need to add this to and such and such to get like the you know what's considered to be one of the maxed out weapons of the game you can have uh, or armor. And uh, so yeah, this is something people have put a lot into and. If and when, it probably is a matter of when, because I will probably be returning to this game again one day. I I'll probably lean towards crafting a, a weapon much different than the one I had this time, just to, to give that a shot. And I, I kind of feel bad because I
2: never really did much beyond like the one of the early weapons that you get. I kinda of just kept that one and then kept leveling that one up. Mm-hmm. And then, putting you know the other stuff from the other guns onto that one. And I've never really done anything different. But I don't really think I've ever had to mm-hmm. because I could just level that one starting gun up to just being super overpowered. Mm. and i've I guess I've always enjoyed games that let you do that because it's just very, I, I don't know it, it's not like you can break the game or anything but you can yeah. still you can finish the game with with one of the guns you basically started the game with if you just, just get, uh, keep with it and level it up and and add things to it but yes I'm sure people have min maxed the hell out of this game um, I, I never did I like I said I never really felt like I needed to seem like mm-hmm. what I had was always good enough I um, but, yeah, it's, it's a really fun system for the people that, that you know, want to do that stuff and want to find, like, all the cool stuff that you can add to a, a better gun. Um, but I, I never really found this game to be that hard, except maybe towards the end of the game. And uh, by then, it didn't really seem <laughs> what kind of gun you had. It was just the game got really fucking hard out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's just, you know, it, like I said, I don't know if, it, if you had a better gun. Maybe that would have made it easier. But it didn't seem like, even when I tried to do mix it up a little bit this time, it didn't seem to help it much.
0: It definitely gets hard at a certain point. It, it's a pretty straightforward, easy game at first. I mean, once you get used to the way the, co- the combat works and you know realize you're supposed to constantly use your own power to hug yourself, you're like, okay, I, I can get into this. You get into the rhythm. It's pretty pretty straightforward. Even the bosses at first are, you know, oh, this is a pretty easy attack to dodge, and I can read what he's going to do, and I can time this out right. Like, it, it's interesting. At no point was I like, oh, this is the easiest game I've ever played, but at no point did I you know, keep dying over and over and over again if I didn't just make a mistake, a miscalculation, you know? Um, this it, Towards day five uh, on the, the game, without giving up too much information, I said it's about seven days long, so at, at about day five, the game gets drastically more difficult in, in not only uh, having more encounters with, with enemies that do more status effects to you, do more damage, it seems, they attack faster, but the bosses are also very tough, and it's the first time in the game where I got to points where I almost... Save screwed myself Like I, I have a save right before One of the bosses on that day It's a, it's a, a pretty difficult uh, At least for me at least This centipede boss And it, it has a couple of different phases And you know, no big dis- issue there But I had no melee weapons on me You do have a melee weapon You can pick up a club and uh, Like a police stick club And you can upgrade that But I didn't have one in my inventory I didn't have one at all So all I had was guns And I only had like 35 bullets and, and that's not enough for a boss battle. you're going to go through some bullets uh, and especially if you have a pistol or a gun that fires a whole bunch of shots at once, you need all those bullets and the only way to get more is by you know fighting these monsters and in the, the, the random encounter areas and sometimes they'll give you ammunition or you find it in the level. So I, I was at a save right before there was like one screen and then a, a mandatory boss fight and I only had 35 bullets and I got to the boss and I ran out of bullets. Almost every time. So I, I figured out what I was supposed to do uh, to get myself out of that hole. But I almost had to go back to another save. I did have several saves. But unfortunately for that day, my last save on, on that, you know, before that was actually, like, probably two hours of gameplay before that save. And I was like, man, I am, I am not interested in going through that again for this. I really, really want to figure it out. And I did find one of my, my uh, Parasite powers did make this doable, but it made it very long. I had to run around, and let it, and let it fill up over and over again to to get as much power as I could out of that that attack. And it uh, it made it a longer fight. But I did get through it, and I did die on that a bunch of times just trying to time it right. So it does get div- more difficult. And the later area, there's there's a museum you go to, and I'd say that's. The most confusing map in this game, and I spent uh, most of my time this game took me about ten hours to finish and I'd say I spent easily you know three or four hours just in that section of the game just trying to figure out where to go like i just i could not understand where the game wanted me to go to progress the story. I eventually got through it, but man it it took some time
2: I, I think the museum is is basically the the point where I really if, if I don't want to push through and actually beat it, which half the time I, I really don't with this game, I just mm. kind of want to sit down and play it uh, to, and have fun with it. But yeah, once you get to that point, I, I think the museum for me is where I tend to just call it. Uh, it's, it's a large map. And at that point, uh, you know, it's uh, the rest of the game has been fairly brief up to that point, as far as like the places you can go and what you're doing and, and the, the size of the maps. But then you get to that museum and it's pretty large, and uh, that the enemies you fight take take a lot of hits, and it really just seems like a, a wall of difficulty. It, it just kind of hits at some point in this game. Uh, and, and that's I don't know. It, it just it doesn't stop being fun, but it's not just the man, this is the I really want to go back and play parasite Eve again and and <laughs> and, and do this.
1: like uh, that that's that's not the museum for me. Yeah, this is one of the this is one of those parts of a game where when you sit down and you're excited to play it again, uh, you forget it exists and then once you realize it's coming up it it you know that that is a lot of the times where you you kind of call it a, call it a day you enjoy the time you had and you move on um yeah I, I think just because you the game hadn't thrown anything at you quite like this uh, up to this point this is an expanse uh it's an expanse it's a bit confusing and uh, this is probably an I mean, it's not a damning complaint or anything like that, uh, but this is probably the, the the low point of the game for me, uh, and it, it's the main trouble I have with the game. This uh, the, a game that you know, we even with all the dialogue and all of that and all the story they throw in there, I never feel like it's slow or anything like that. Uh, uh, but I do feel like it gets that way here. I feel like it it kind of starts to starts to drag a little bit, and it, it gets it it. Ventures kind of into that chore territory when you're trying to get through this, which is an awful place for for any game to end up. Uh, it doesn't stay like that for you know. I, I mean, it's 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 perfectly fine uh, before that and after, but but yeah, the the, the museum, uh, the fun factor takes a, a huge hit.
2: I mean, at this point, you've got to see uh you know some some dog a dog transform into yeah. a three headed beast. Yeah. Uh, Got to see some people melt. Man, people you set had on good, fire. You
1: had, you had a good run.
2: Yeah, it was, it was a good run. Got got some you know good times in there, and uh, maybe maybe just uh, unless you're really hardcore about seeing it, seeing the story through, which is actually worth it. I think the story is yeah, worth is. going all the way through at least once to see how it goes. Uh, but yeah, for me, for someone that has actually played Parasite Eve several times at this point, I I got to this point this time I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah this. <laughs> I, I do like the setting, though. I like the museum. You know, you got oh, all the yeah. dinosaurs and stuff like that. It's a cool setting, uh, but it's just getting through it and, and all the, the mess, especially afterward. Uh, it's just, I, it's it doesn't stop being fun. It just starts being a little tedious.
0: Well, and, and to add to that tedium, and I think you brought this up before, but, you know, you only have so many item slots, and that's to hold not just your weapons and armor, but also any, you know, potions you find, there are are items that help I mean, medicines that help heal you, plus you get all the the items that, you know, oh we cure poison instantly or darkness or all the status effects plus your actual story items there's keys to rooms, there are you know, any sort of items you get that don't do anything but progress the story or need to open a door or whatever, and they all fill up these inventory slots you only start with like 24 maybe I, I don't remember exactly how many, but it's a very small number of inventory slots when you realize it's supposed to hold everything in the game And, you know, it's not like Final Fantasy where, one, you don't have a limit anyway, but it's not like it says, oh, you have 19 of these types of potions. Each one of these potions takes up a spot, just like in Resident Evil in your briefcase or whatever. This is the same idea. And so it means a lot of the time, especially once you get to a place like the museum, you have to just constantly throw items out of your inventory or use stuff before you need it. Like, oh, I'll use this healing item even though I'm only five points under my full health of 700. I'll go ahead and mm. use that healing item just to not waste it. So you end up running out of a lot of space. You can go back to the police station, and you know there you can store a lot of stuff, but that is unwieldy and in some places not possible. I'm not a giant fan of how this game does inventory management.
2: It's like they looked at Resident Evil and was like, let's do Resident Evil, and then they took the worst part of Resident <laughs> Evil and put it into this game. Uh, inventory management, anytime you have to put things into a box and then go back to that box later on is, is something that I just, I cannot stand. I've never been a big fan of it, especially in Resident Evil. And I wasn't here when there's a whole lot more items than what you can find in Resident Evil. So I think that's actually probably my biggest complaint about the whole game uh, because you are finding, if you take the time to explore these maps and and find stuff, you're finding a lot of stuff. And so, you know, it's just a, pain in the ass to go find these boxes that you can put your stuff in, hoard them all there, and then realize you have to go back, get what you need, continue on. It's just, it's the worst part of Resident Evil, and it's the worst part of Parasite Eve.
0: Well, at least Resident Evil had the courtesy of giving you a universal item box. So, if you went to a save space, there was a box, and then... In other safe spaces, there's another box that lets you get the stuff you had in the first box. Like, that's okay with me. It's still annoying, but it was less so. Here, you have to literally go back to the box you put stuff in. If it's the police station, it's obvious. Here's your you know, your equipment room. You can store stuff here. But you can go to any box in the game and just throw whatever you want in it, and it's in that one box only. So if you don't remember where you put... You know, oh, I, I took all my revives and I put them in this box at the subway. First off, that's a bad, bad idea. But let's say you did that. You'd have to remember exactly which box in which area and make sure you can still get there at that point in the story. It, it's a it's just an unwieldy inventory management system. It's not the worst, but it's it definitely is, is a complaint. And, you're, and at least I found myself constantly just dropping items out of my inventory because I didn't know what to do. My other about this game, you know, I talked about how I don't like if you have to watch through a whole cinema before every boss fight that you can't skip. Uh, this game has, in a couple different spots, parts where you'll fight a very difficult boss, and then there's kind of an event or a, a something that you can die on instantly afterwards, Uh, early on in the game there's an attack on a rooftop and you you get through the boss fight no problem or at least I did and then it's like all right well now you have to figure out what to do and you can hear this like roar getting louder and louder and louder and if you don't figure out what to do you you instantly die and you have to go back to your save before that whole boss fight and do the whole boss fight again and figure out what am I supposed to do in this you know 10 second window I I hate that I I absolutely hate it this game does it several times I, I get why it's it's not a. It, it, it makes you feel like, okay, now there's more to this game. It's not just I'd fight a boss and everything's safe. I, I like that, but they should like let you try again. Like, you he, he shouldn't have to redo that whole boss fight because you made a mistake on you know, what's essentially like something you should know ahead of time, or if you're lucky, you figure out in one shot. Otherwise, they're just saying, "Hi, oh, I know you feed that boss just barely. You get to do it again.
2: And if we're talking about things that I want to bitch about with this game, uh, I think that kind of goes into. I think for the most part, this this game does an amazing job with its camera angles. I don't know if we mentioned it, but it is totally doing the Resident Evil thing of just having, like, you go from one screen to the next, and you'll have these different cinematic cam- camera angles. Mm-hmm. And since, you know, you're actually doing these sort of real-time battles that pop up, you know, it doesn't change screen or anything. It just stays in, in the same environment. It's just the enemies pop up. Uh, you know, for the most part, it tries to keep the camera at an angle where you can you can actually run around And and actually maneuver when you have that time to do so. Uh, But there are definitely times in this game where it it just seems like it's the camera angle is too confined or the space that you're in is too confined. There's actually a boss where you're riding in the back of like a a horse carriage, Mm. which is just I hate it Mm. because it's very hard to like just get. Uh, just figure out where you need to be to dodge some of this stuff, and you have like like a six by you know three foot area to move around in. It seems like, uh, but yeah, that I think that's really my only other complaint besides the items, as far as like just being able to. Sometimes the game just it, those camera angles just doesn't suit the actual battles themselves. It just seems a little bit too too confined, and and the camera angle doesn't suit it well.
0: Yeah, generally, I didn't have a lot of complaints. I mean, I, again, I'd never played this before for any real amount of time. I finished this whole game, in my save for the very end of the game is at about the 10-hour mark, and I can tell now that I know what I'm doing, I'll probably finish it next time, in a little over half the time this mm-hmm. time. I mean, again, I spent a lot of time wandering around in that museum area, just not sure where to go. Now that I know that, that's going to cut hours out of this on its own. So, I mean, it, it's not mm-hmm. a long game. I, I, I enjoyed it. I think now that I know how your item control works and how the... Um, modification weapon uh, weapon and armor modification systems work I'll, I'll be much more effective with it next time i mean i really really like this game and I, it's one I, i'm sad i didn't play before it, it did well it got a sequel the next year parasite Eve 2 came out for the playstation uh, in 1999 and then uh way later about 11 years later in 2010, uh, a third game came out for the PSP. I've never played that one. I've heard it's slightly different and then barely Parasite Eve at all, but at least it still has the same character and I guess some of the same
2: themes. Um, I played a little bit of the second Parasite Eve, and mm -hmm. it's it's disappointing, I'll I'll say that much. They threw in uh, uh, tank controls straight out of Resident Evil. Uh, The battle system is much more of like a... Kind of a lock-on kind of thing uh, it's it's not like the the mm-hmm. the battles from parasite eve it's more of just like a, more of like an action style Yeah. um and, and just overall like the settings themselves just it didn't it, it wasn't great uh, it, i i didn't even beat it because it was mm-hmm. just pretty disappointing though I, I never actually played the PSP version um hell i actually didn't even know it existed until i <laughs> looked it up for this podcast uh, but yeah, I, that that second one isn't great, and it it sucks because Parasite Eve is such a great video mm. game. Like I love it; it's one of my all time favorite PlayStation yeah. games.
1: Well, I mean, the second one, uh, the second one ditches everything that I think made the made the first one unique. I mean, all the stuff we're praising here on the first one, I, I think they kind of they scrapped that. To uh, second one is uh, it could very well just get lumped into you know just another Resident Evil type. Uh, which, which was an unfortunate decision but but yeah I absolutely love this first one would recommend it um, I get uh, to anyone survive, uh, anyone into you know kind of survival horror or a action slash rpg type game there's a lot of crowds this would appeal to uh, and, and it is definitely definitely worth giving a shot. Well, and we didn't mention this, but after you finish the game, this
0: is another game where uh-huh. you have kind of a an EX mode that comes up. Oh, yeah. You take the the weapons and armor you finish the game with, and uh, I think a few other things carry over. But then you start the game over again. It unlocks some new, like a new, <laughs> some new building with like seventy levels and uh, and an additional end boss. And kind of you know, it's not necessary, but it's nice that it's there. I like when games offer you a few more things like that. So, you know, it, it's I recommend this game a lot for for anyone who's never played it. If you like. Mm -hmm. this sort of, you know, if you like RPGs and you also like that that body horror or just horror in general, a Silent Hill-style game, I mean, this is kind of a neat blend of the two. Not many games are like it. Uh, In fact, the only game I've played that's close to this, as far as the combat and everything, is also on the PlayStation. It's Vagrant Story, also by Square. And it uses the same, Mm. uh, not the same game, it's a little slower. It's got the the same, you know, when you do an attack, that globe comes out, lets you show how far you can hit things. Uh, But it also has... And that's the game I kinda of referred to earlier. It's got the most unwieldy weapon modification I've ever seen. I mean, you have to actually go to different blacksmithing rooms mm. in that in that game to figure out which weapons you can make and it's not obvious and it's based on the um, the metal type that you have, but what a weapon you also makes is not just based on the weapons or the, the it, it doesn't matter It's incredibly confusing I finished the game And still don't really Understand how it works This is much simpler And I, and I like this But I, I, that's the only Game I've, I've ever played That even made me feel A little bit like this In how the combat works Is another square mm. game Obviously But uh, but you know This is excellent If you've never played it before I highly recommend it I think it's uh, It's definitely on The uh, PlayStation Network For PS3 And, the, and mm-hmm. the Vita If you still have it And I, I think I got it For $5 off sale So if you can catch it on sale It's probably only a couple bucks Highly recommend it <laughs> As we mentioned, this is our last episode of 2019. This is our Christmas episode. There will not be a bonus episode next week because it is the week between Christmas and New Year's and no one is around to record it or listen to it. So we'll start next year with a full episode and still get our two bonus episodes in for our patrons. And speaking of patrons... Uh, You know, every year we normally talk something about like, oh, here's our favorite gift we got as a kid, or here was the worst gift we got as a kid, but we've already talked about that, I think this is our fifth Christmas, Uh, so instead I asked any of the patrons if they had a a best or worst Christmas memory, and we got a couple responses, so I'm going to read them out real quick, Uh, this first one is from Metal Dooley, and they write, mine is probably the year I got my NES for Christmas, it was my first console and is responsible for my lifelong love of gaming. I got the bundle with the Zapper and Super Mario Bros. Duck Hunt double cartridge. My entire family sat around the TV playing Duck Hunt. Even my parents and uncle, who have zero interest in video games, played it and enjoyed it. My older brother and I stayed up really late that night playing Mario, and we played it to death over the holidays. I didn't get another game until my birthday six weeks later. Six weeks doesn't sound like that long to me, but that's okay. Uh, six <laughs> weeks later, so I nearly wore out that cart just from playing it and it's still one of my best Christmas memories, not just gaming related, but to this day. I think all of us, especially with the NES, that's kind of one of those landmark systems for our mm-hmm. our age group. like once I got mine, and I don't remember exactly when we got it, but it was it was like we had three games, and it was you know me and my brothers just stayed in that room and played it nonstop so I completely you know, understand that, that memory.
2: Yeah. I never actually got my NES at Christmas, uh, but I did get it, uh, one year when my dad got his, his tax check. And that was, Mm. that was my first console. You know, I had actually played it a lot at my cousin's house and other people's houses. And, you know, it was always one of those things. I just, uh, you know, that's, that's what I wanted. I wanted my own Nintendo. And I remember fondly that, that, that one, march or whenever the fuck it was that he got his tax check and uh he's like hey you know uh he called me one day i was like i got i got a nintendo and i was like well shit you know (laughs) that's that's awesome and and that was and going home uh he had uh bought castlevania and top gun so one out of two ain't bad dad and uh one of those ended (laughs) up being uh, one of my favorite games of all time, you know, it's it's not Top Gun. So <laughs> that that was my favorite NES NES uh, thing But it was not Christmas. I think my favorite overall Christmas memory with a console was the original PlayStation That was just a really amazing Christmas because I that was like my first job as well So I was able to actually buy a lot of the launch games for the PlayStation uh, and then actually get the PlayStation for Christmas, so I had mm-hmm. just a ton of stuff to play all the way through Christmas break, and and that was, that was really awesome.
1: Yeah, and I I think everyone has like a a a great console, getting uh, a memory, and mine was Christmas. It was a Christmas that the uh, the Super Nintendo made its way into the house, and it was it was given to me, and and my father said he would hook it up for me, but I had to clean my room first. And uh but but deep down, I knew he was itching to get on that thing just as much as me, so he's actually the one that folded uh, first pretty quick. This was this was his excuse to get you to clean your room. He bought you a Super Nintendo. hey it, was, hey, it wasn't that bad. I didn't keep that bad of a room. Uh, but yeah, I, I could tell he was he, he was hankering to get into it as he sat there and and just kind of stared at the back of the box while I was supposed to be in there working. Uh, So it, it was within the hour or a little bit less that, you know, we were on there. Well, and that's very similar to the, the
0: other response I got to this from our patrons. Uh, Kay writes, Christmas in 1994, I think, I got a Super Nintendo and my sister got a Sega Genesis, which is awesome to have both in the same house, same Christmas. Mm-hmm. And he goes on to say further, my sister doesn't play games, so really I got a Super Nintendo and a Sega Genesis. Even at that age, I knew the Super Nintendo was a much better system. I never owned any other games for the Genesis other than Sonic 2 that it came with, and I really rented for it. I eventually owned several games for the Super Nintendo, though, including Battletones and Battle Maniacs, Super Street Fighter 2, Knights of the Round, and, of course, Super Mario World. Not a bad mm. collection for a poor kid like me. Uh, you know, I, I I never got multiple systems in the same Christmas. I had two brothers. Uh, I'm the oldest of three, but we're all around, you know, a four-year window from each other. So one year we definitely got the Turbo Graphics. One year we got the Super Nintendo. Uh, I don't remember when I got a Genesis, but I bought that one on my own. But But it's... I could have been overwhelmed with multiple systems like that in the same Christmas, and <laughs> so I, 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 when I did get the, the TurboGrafx, that was one, you know, that I, I remember, it was my brother's game, technically, he got it for Christmas, but, like, that was, because we didn't have a Super Nintendo, we didn't get a, a Sega Genesis, that was our next, you know, next level system, and we played it non-stop, and that was a system that only came with one controller and one controller port. You couldn't even play two players unless you bought that mm-hmm. weird adapter. So we played a lot of times, spent a lot of times that, that Christmas just literally passing the controller back and forth with Keith Courage and Alpha Zones. Again, we've talked about, what, I think four years ago that no one but <sighs> me likes. And to counteract that last post, which was not very high on the Genesis, we have one more uh, Christmas memory from Ben Brady, who writes I recall my favorite Christmas gaming memory was when I received the Model 1 Mega Drive with Sonic the Hedgehog. My father was in awe that codes were already built into the game, allowing us to level skip the up, down, left, right, etc. code. And to this day, this memory still brings a smile to my face. So not everybody didn't like their Genesis. And I would also say if I had a Genesis instead of that TurboGrafx, I probably would be a more rounded gamer today. So yeah, we we didn't do any mail this week because we wanted to talk about those. And we also kind of want to talk about our best and worst of 2019, which we will do Mm. in a second. But if you do have questions for us, you can always send them. Via our question form on RetroVani.net. Uh, starting a next episode, uh, back to normal, we'll be answering your questions at the end of the episode. So if you have any, send them that way, or of course you can always reach us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. But that form is the best way to make sure that we get it, since Jeremy actually checks that email. So our 2019 was a an interesting year. Uh, not a lot of new consoles or anything, but it just a, a bunch of solid games in general. Um, you know, I, I guess. Better to talk about the things we did and didn't like last year as opposed to a best and a worst game. So I'll I'll start with my bests uh, as far as games go. Games that actually came out this year that I really spent a lot of time on. I think it goes without a surprise that Sekiro is one of my favorite games of the year. I can mm. see why some people mm. didn't care for it, but I definitely logged the most time into it uh, for a game that's not a role-playing game. Uh, I definitely put more hours into other games. I think I put more hours into Monster Hunter over than, than anything else, but the the other game because for me i didn't get a switch until last christmas so this year was basically all switch games when i finally got fire emblem three heroes i'd never played a fire emblem before i was looking for a role-playing game on the switch and i wasn't sure if i'd like it or not i love that game i I mean there's things i don't like i kind of wish the part where i walk around and talk to students wasn't in it but otherwise I, i enjoy the strategy to the game i don't even mind that walk around part i just wish it wasn't as frequent but it, it's, it's a neat game. I, I really like the series. I never played one, and it was kind of neat to play a, a more traditional strategy game with some role-playing trappings to it. So th- those are my two games I've enjoyed the most that came out this year.
1: Well, I'm trying to think of what game is Sekiro, obviously, was, was one of the big ones for me this year. Uh, and, and I can say I love that game, even though I, you know, I, I think it was last episode, I came to the realization I'll never finish that game. Uh, I, I love it anyway. Uh, Though Death Stranding has uh, been nothing short of incredible, uh, and but I tell you that Outer Worlds was for me this year was a cut above. Uh, it was it was just a phenomenal game, uh, it, a great kind of throwback to the you know Fallout Three, Fallout New Vegas, uh, and uh, I, I put a lot of time into that game and, and very much enjoy it. I don't know if any add-ons are coming around for it uh it's certainly a you know full game in its own right uh and in the usual fallout fashion i, I i'll be getting several playthroughs out of it as it stands uh the game i've been playing the most this year uh it, it, not even a a, a 2019 game fucking I, I talked about it at the beginning of the episode stardew valley has, has come back strong for me uh and i have just about have been on that game uh, just about every night. It's not a game I sit down and play for hours at a time, but it's, it's not unheard of for me to crawl in the bed. Uh, You know, I'm, I'm working out of town. It's just me here. I crawl in bed at night. I I get the switch out. I play Stardew Valley for about 30 minutes, 45 minutes or until I'm dozing. And, and that's it. And just the, the sheer amount of time I've gotten out of that game Uh, And and the fun and the fact that they are, you know, still patching it and have, you know, (laughs) I wouldn't say they've doubled the size of the game, but they have certainly added a very considerable amount to it. Uh, So I'm encountering brand new stuff on there now. Uh, That has just been the game I've enjoyed the most um, and played the most this year. Uh, As far as 2019 releases, it's 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 close between death stranding and outer worlds uh both games obviously are are very different experiences um so i would i would have a hard time uh going one way or the other death stranding is just it, it's it's i guess if i had to give the nod it would be that because it, it's just in a different category uh, and, and it it does a great job uh i love the gameplay of it and i, I know that's kind of a divisive thing uh not a lot of people are are kind of going to be into strapping all those boxes on your back and and just walking but uh but i everything about the game uh and and just the the emotion it's able to elicit also uh with some of the acting in it i I gotta say this is probably the best uh voice acting and, and motion capture and whatnot i've encountered in a game uh, it, it's just all around it, it may not be a, a phenomenal video game but it, it's just phenomenal entertainment altogether, uh, just on a whole um also special uh, both the my 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 best and my worst this year i'm gonna have a little a little subcategory because uh, i'm having mobile entry for both of them uh it's like a powerhouse this year has been damn apple and the apple arcade coming through uh i i can't say enough good things about that service uh for five dollars a month they're putting out uh not quite as beefy independent games as you might get on the switch or elsewhere but they're putting out just great you know two three four hour experiences and and a low price for it and I've encountered so many games on there that I've, I've really enjoyed playing and I know that it's, it's easy to scoff at it, you know, because it's, it's, it's mobile games. And, but if, if this is the direction mobile games are going in, I I think things are going to be just fine. Uh, it's, it's been a tremendous service and, and certainly probably my biggest surprise uh, of this year, just, just how well that, that turned out. I it's,
2: it's been a a really weird year for me. I, I guess there, uh, I, I kind of echo Billy it, with two games there. Apple Arcade was definitely my biggest surprise of the mm-hmm. year as far as like what I never expected to enjoy. I, they And like you said, they just keep adding little games here and there. Not every one is something that I want to play. Mm. Uh, but hell, just the other day, they released a this super cool little Lego puzzle game yes. called Builder's Journey, and I absolutely love that game. It's nothing that I would have ever thought I would have loved, but it's just awesome. Uh, And they just continue to put out these little games here and there That is just everything I wanted mobile gaming to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And Death Stranding, uh, it it is not the most fun video game, (laughs) but it is a game that will stick with me, stick with me probably the longest out of anything that I played this year. Uh, It is a a true experience. And that is just, you know, you can paint that in a positive or negative all you want, but I will, it's kind of like, it reminds me of Silent Hill. Like, those games were never mm. the most fun. Yeah. But I still remember every bit of those games to this day, and that's probably exactly what's going to yeah. be. The hell and, it'll you, be with...
1: and you're mm. still playing them to this day.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll totally just get back into Death Stranding and, you know, pack up a few boxes on my back <laughs> and carry it around see what's going on. It, it's just one of those games. Um, I guess, like, uh, you know, for Nintendo, I was actually shocked this year that I enjoyed Mario Maker 2 as much as I did. Mm. Uh, not so much for the maker part but like I, I really enjoyed playing the the levels that the the developers and and the you know whoever else made games for the actual single player portion of it it was probably the most fun I've had with a traditional Mario game since god it maybe Super Mario World like that it was just so much fun and, and so many of those courses just broke the norms of how you would actually play a Mario game that I just mm-hmm. it. it I found it just constantly entertaining. I had less fun playing other people's levels and, you know, even the good levels that, that the, uh, game curated, I was like, ah, you know, I don't know if I want to just kill myself trying to play through this extremely hard rage level, but the single player portion of it was, was more than enough to warrant the the 60 bucks that I paid for it. It's just a, a really great game. Uh, fire emblem, uh, like Jeremy, that was one of my favorites of the year love that game. I uh, just, just to be able to play a really well done traditional uh, turn-based strategy game like that is, is always fun. And the stories and and the character is so characters are so good in that game that it's, it's hard to put down. Uh, even, even if I, I don't really care for the whole, like talking to them portion either, but at the same time, there were those characters where I was always looking forward to going up to them and seeing what they had to say. Uh, but there are a lot of characters and there's a lot of them that I was just like, eh, whatever. Uh, hell, I think my, my, the game that, that I love the most this year was resident evil two remake. Mm. Uh, that was just, uh, resident evil two is one of my favorite games of all time. And that remake is phenomenal. It is the best I think I've ever seen. And if, if more games try to do a remake like that, man, I, I that's, that's how I would love to, love it to be done it's everything. It's all the nostalgia of the original wrapped up in a modern game. And that's mm. all I ask for. But, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's probably it. I guess, you know, for my most disappointing, you know, we, we spent a, a good 40 minutes talking about borderlands three, a couple <laughs> of podcasts ago. Um, that, that may be actually my, my most disappointing game of the year. I don't you know, need to go. The
1: sad thing is we were talking about the, the DLC is out and yeah. borderland, borderland's, DLC is something I jump on day one. And I, I haven't touched it yet. I know you haven't either.
2: No, I and that's what's that's what's depressing. Like it's always been like, you know, the, the icing on the cake, the borderlands mm-hmm. cake has always been the DLC that, that keeps coming after the game. But I don't even want to finish the fucking game. Like i we've we talked enough about this. But yeah, I I'm not I'm not anywhere close to buying that DLC, the whole game itself just is a, is such a downer. Um, but the rest of this year, I guess, uh, there's just not been too much. That's really made me want to sit down and and play, play video games a good deal. Mm. Oh, wait, I fucking forgot my game of the year game of the year. (laughs) I forgot that. I can't believe I forgot this bloodstained.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah.
2: Best game of the damn year. That game. I was so hooked on. Like I, that was the game that I sat down with on day one. Played straight through, all the way through, hundred percent of that game. Absolutely loved it, and I've actually started playing it again just the other day. Uh, that is that is probably my favorite of the year. Uh, but as far as you know, disappointing, eh, I, I would say kind of maybe just the rest of the year as a whole. Mm. Uh, and I'm looking forward to 2020 to get that that hot Final Fantasy VII remake on and, and cyberpunk and <sighs> Doom Eternal and man, that next year is packed. Like that next- seems like that's going to be a year.
1: Yeah, next year's looking good, and and like you, um, the first half of 2000, not even, maybe the first three fourths of 2019. Just it just didn't hit right for me. I know some some good games came out, but just nothing uh, that that really latched on with me. I I mean, if we're talking the biggest letdowns, yes, Borderlands three. I won't say anything else about it. Uh, I think we've said enough. Um. Uh, you know what else let me down was that fucking crackdown three. <laughs> I, oh got God, so, I didn't I even got know. If so I got so excited, so excited for. I love the first. I, I was playing the first one last year. I, I, I loved the first one. The second one I was was iffy on. The third one was horrific. I played the third one. Thankfully, it was out on Game Pass launch day. I played the third one and and within 24 hours, it was off the system. Uh, it is a mess. Uh, it it, 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 retains very little that I loved from, from the first one. Um, and I don't know where it went wrong because that's such a simple formula. Uh, but it sure did crack uh, Crackdown three really let me down and that goddamn Anthem, uh, let me down perhaps the most because that was a game i was uh, truly excited for and uh, it, it looks great uh and i'll tell you a part of what makes it uh, such a letdown is that it is a great game to control like flying around in there uh it, it is one of the better experiences i had in video games this year uh, i i think that's a, a very fluid very easy control very intuitive uh, the guns, uh, it, it does that great thing where the guns seem to kind of have weight to them. And the heavier, uh, you know, javelins you use, the the fly, the suits you have on there, uh, they definitely have weight and they each uh, control a little differently. I, uh, yeah, I'd like them to be even more kind of different, but uh, they did a well enough job. Uh and it's one of those games that uh, I think if you went back and listened to early episodes when I first started playing it, I was I was all about it. Um, but then I played through to the end and you know it's it, with destiny you play through to the end of the story, but there's still a ton to do. Uh, you know, and there's there's things here and there and they keep it fresh. Uh Destiny two you know, that they keep adding stuff onto it. And it's a game I put down and, and I stopped playing destiny Two When I run out of things to do, uh, I stopped playing Anthem uh, and I wasn't out of everything to do. I stopped playing cause it stopped being fun. And, you know, the things left were just very uh, mundane missions that uh, it was usually one of the, uh, one of three styles of missions. You know, you're either picking something up, you're blowing up a boss or, you know, uh, and it just, it, it sank and they haven't done anything to to rectify that. I mean, there's all this talk of a, a big 2.0 update. Obviously, they're not going to do a sequel because I mean the game has no name value right now to put a to put a two behind and and have people pick it up. Um, so I mean I'll try out this this update if it ever happens. I, but honestly, I don't know how much of the the fan base would how much of the community would return for it. Uh, it's just a, uh, and to go sixty dollars strong on it, I, I don't feel it was that I don't I don't think the value was there for the experience. Uh, this is a game that is a ton of fun, like that first week. And then it just it's it's bad. And and I had such such high hopes for it. I think that's the difference. A lot of other games I played that were kind of mediocre this year, I wasn't really, you know, following and and waiting for and excited about. So I, it was just a harder fall, I, and like I said when I talked about my my favorite things of the year, I had a little category for mobile gaming, and I got one for this one too. And and I hate it. It's that it's that Mario Kart, and uh, God damn it, and Nintendo's mobile offerings have been uh, I wouldn't even say hit or miss. I, I, I with me they've been hits for the most part. I, they've ranged from the the, the odd like uh, you know like Me when it came around. Um, I thought super Mario run was decent for what it was. Uh, it kept me playing for a while. Uh, and I think the animal crossing game they have out is, is good. If you want, you know, it's about a fourth of the animal crossing experience. Um, but this one, it started off. Okay. And, and I knew with a mobile game, there was going to be the issue of, you know, you weren't going to open the game up and there's a, there's a full roster. No, I knew it was going to be, like so many games where there's a card system or opening chest, or something that would unlock characters or would give you points or parts, you know, towards unlocking a character. Uh, so I was ready for that. I, I just didn't know. And I underestimated how big of a paywall there would be there. Uh, and it, it started with the, uh, the five dollars to unlock a, a gold. Pass or gold subscription and this is five dollars a month this isn't one time and for that you got a you didn't get these gold level characters you got a increased chance of getting them and you got to unlock 200 cc mode which is kind of the only way the game is any fun because this is a a much slower mario kart and I was able to forgive the the kind of simplified controls. I mean, you can play this thing with one finger, but, but it's a mobile game, so okay. Um, but that was just a bit much. And you know, I I tried the initial trial, and I had it. I kept it for a month, and I actually, you know, as with most subscriptions, I did what they're counting on and forgot to cancel. So I had the thing two months altogether. Um, got absolutely. Nothing out of it per se. I still don't know. I, I, I stopped playing a couple weeks ago. I still don't know if they've even made it to where you can play uh, against friends or or back other real people. Um, I, I I think all the online races are just just bots, and so it makes for a very lonely experience uh, playing on there. And it, it wasn't quite what I was hoping. Uh, it looks good and it controls the best it possibly can on mobile but they they sure did a lot to to shit it up you know for for the sake of of getting a cash grab and yeah i mean without that 200 cc mode when i canceled my my pass and i was down to 150 it just it it moves just too slow there's there's no excitement to be had there so that was a a big letdown because i i think over the years i have expressed how big of a mario kart fan i am and and i thought this was going to be perfect you know i knew i wasn't getting a, a mario kart 8 or anything like that but it's still it could have been a lot more uh, it's 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 a shame on account of all these things from 2019 i've listed and and there's a lot more things that just kind of let me down a little bit here and there uh but but those were the big ones for me
0: my biggest disappointment in 2019 gaming wise is actually on myself for buying yet another version of final fantasy 8 i don't know what is wrong with me <laughs> i bought the remastered uh on the switch doesn't matter what system you buy it on it's still a terrible game i, I don't know what i was thinking i haven't tried to convince myself that i liked it because they added some you know things that made it a little better for yourself and it still sucks and i'm i I'm so sad that I bought that for myself. But that's that's on me. I can't blame anybody else. They didn't claim it was anything other than what it was Final Fantasy VIII, and I bought it again like a sucker. But my my biggest disappointment, because I don't buy a lot of games new. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't buy a lot of used games, but I mean, just, you know, when new things come out, unless it's something that I know I'm going to absolutely love, you know, like Sekiro, I was like, mm-hmm. there's no chance I won't love this. And I didn't buy it yet, but I'm going to buy Shenmue 3. There's no chance I'm not going to like that. I'm, I'm, mm. I'm going to get that. So I, I don't buy a lot of games where I end up. You know, really being truly disappointed in them. But for me, the entirety of the Nintendo Switch online ability is pretty disappointing. Other than Tetris 99, which I will <laughs> gladly stand here and talk about for hours, the actual online abilities of the Switch I don't use. I don't play with anybody online. Uh, we, you know, when we tried when we got it last year, I tried to play Minecraft with my, my niece. My son wanted to play with my niece, and they couldn't figure out how to connect. I couldn't figure out how to connect. My brother and I are both, you know... I would say semi smart guys and ID computers and we could not figure out just for Minecraft how to get it to work and it turns out it's actually a problem with Minecraft on the Switch but still that's just irritating I'm paying for an online service to to be able to do some you know matchmaking and things like that and it just doesn't really work too well and then the few things that I got excited about Tetris is great but you know the 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 free games you get oh you get the Nintendo library you get the Super Nintendo library for the first you know, first few months of that Nintendo library, I convinced myself it was amazing. I was like, hey, even if I get two bad games a month, it's two new games a month. I might not have played these before. It might be one I never really put the time into, or forgot how much I like this game. And it turns out, you know, more months often than not, it was not good. So then they added the Super Nintendo, and you're like, all right, this is going to be it. This is going to be where it's great. And they've only added games one time since introducing the Super Nintendo. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we talked about it for the last bonus show. with was Star Fox 2. But otherwise, it's games that are already on the the... At Super NES Classic, and it just, I don't know, it seems like, I understand financially why they probably don't waste a lot of time on it, but still, if you're going to add it as a, a thing your service does that I'm paying for, I at least, I don't know, I expected a few more things added to it, or, or you know, more exclusives, or, or things that were, you know, oh, this was only put out in Japan, so here it is here, it's just, it's kind of just a, an afterthought, and it feels like an afterthought, and it should be so much more, uh, especially when, you know, Nintendo kind of really kicked some of this this retro gaming stuff into full force with the NES Classic and Super NES Classic. Now, everybody, you know Genesis Classic is is out and it's good unlike those at games and I'm excited for next year's Turbo Graphics at, you know, mini all these like home consoles classic consoles are like coming back because they came out and they were huge and now they have this platform they want you to pay for their online service and they could easily put out just even their own games and everyone would be happy and it's like yeah here's here's a handful of things there you go so i guess just in general the nintendo on switch online service in general is just still still pretty wonky not that exciting and there's only two backgrounds for the switch like the, the things they do really well are done extremely well but a lot of especially online related nintendo still does not really know what they're doing in 2019 so that's our thoughts on best and worst 2019 again this will be the last episode of the year please from all of us at retrovaniacs please have a great holiday and a wonderful new year and we will see you in 2020 with a brand new series of episodes